Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Uh, got a new set of nails put on by my girl Vanessa today, and I was just so tired. Even my girl Vanessa was like, you look very tired today. And I was like, I am. I'm super tired. But last night I stayed up late because I was I had all these things that I watched on Sunday. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I watched on Sunday. It is wild. Okay. Oh, God. So started started with Prisoners, which I had never watched before. That is a watch. It is a watch. Me and my sister, my sister says she had watched it. She didn't remember large swaths of the movie. And so she was basically watching it for the first time. We were a mess. We were a wreck. After that, she was like, we have to watch something happy. We watched the entirety of Frozen. And that was a journey to like go back and watch Frozen after all these years because we got, I mean, Disney basically had us like deep throating. (laughs) like frozen for so many years that I had not gone back to actually watch the movie for that was so not long. the phrasing that I, I said you what I said. There. Disney did that. Okay. Okay. Especially cuz we're here in Orlando and like we went to the parks so often. That is true. Like the offerings went. were just all frozen. Okay, so Frozen then followed that up with The Last of Us TV show on HBO. So right. the newest episodes come out on Sunday nights. Which you I haven't that. watched yet. Bro, you have to I watch know. it. It's so good. Me. I don't even it's... play the game. I'm like, this is an amazing show. Anyway, so I watched that. Again, reeling, right? Because the episode's so good. That was like the best episode of the whole season, I think. Mm. And then my sister goes to bed. I continue, watch 40 minutes of Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> <laughs> while I was doing other things. And I was like, man, I love this movie. And the stupid score from John Williams. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I was like into it. So then I shut off the TV and turned on time movie is the entirety of the animated movie from DreamWorks. Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, which I had never seen before. And I loved it. And then Good I went to bed. Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that was my Sunday night. Yeah, I wasn't ready for hearing all that. Yeah, my sorry. Goodness. I just That was a lot. It was a lot. That, Wasn't that crazy? That's pretty crazy, I'm not gonna lie. I am an eclectic person. I feel I, like I wasn't you know, doubting that at all. But going from like a dark drama about taking children and all this stuff to frozen, <laughs> then zombies, then you know, Steven Spielberg, Leo DiCaprio, <laughs> back to animated. I mean, it was a journey. Yeah, yeah, it is a journey. Where are you going, Frank? That. <laughs> Where are you going tonight? Yeah. Uh, so my Sunday was nowhere near that. Oh, okay. Um, Wasn't I did as, watch as one movie, oh. and it happens to be the movie we're going to talk about first. <laughs> um, but uh, outside of that, um, no, I, I have been uh, doing a pretty good job just to like update you yeah. uh, on my movie watching for so far this year. You know, I've been I set out a goal to, you know, watch um, best pictures, all the best pictures, if possible. And also the AFI 100 complete uh-huh. the AFI 100. And uh, I 
watched a couple movies here. So in the month of February, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to do another 10 movies. So 10 and 10 so far. So that's 20. Wow. Not bad. Uh, if you compare it to last year, last year in February, I only did four last year. <laughs> yeah, so. you're making a pace here. You're setting Yeah, I'm making a good pace. Obviously, there's the movies we watch like Ant-Man and Cocaine Bear, which we'll talk about in this episode from a previous recording. You'll hear that later on. Uh, but I also watched some classics like Bringing Up Baby, The Philadelphia Story, Singing in the Rain. First time, my <laughs> first time watch. I know, I know. Um, and then I finished off the month with Some Like It Hot, which oh, again was you'd never first seen time. Some Like It Hot. No, okay, and I loved it. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was fantastic, uh, and <laughs> just a joy, fun to watch. Uh, and then so far this month, I've only seen two movies so far, but you know, with, you know, there's still plenty of month to go. I saw a Best Picture winner, Marty from 1955, I believe. Yep, wow. Uh, with... Is that a Hitchcock? No, it's not. It... It is oh, why not. does this sound so familiar? Who? Uh, it's in Ernest that? Bornine is the okay. lead. Get is the lead, and uh, the bit. Yeah. So basically, you know what? Premise... I'm confusing it with Mar- uh, Marnie. Marnie. Yeah. yeah no. No. De- definitely a different movie. Uh, so this movie, I'll give you just the synopsis of the movie according to Letterbox. Uh, it's the love story of an unsung hero. Marty, a butcher who lives in the Bronx with his mother, is unmarried at 34. Good-natured but socially awkward, he faces constant badgering from family and friends to get married, but has reluctantly resigned himself to bachelorhood. Marty meets Clara, an unattractive school teacher. Realizing their emotional connection, he promises to call, but family and friends try to convince him not to. I am shocked that this movie won Best Picture. Wow. Like, I saw this movie, and when it ended, first <laughs> off, I was surprised that the movie ended. I was just like, that's how it ends? Mm. But also, I was really surprised that they were really leaning into the whole, yeah, neither one of these two people are good looking. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. And, you know, they they really make references to it, like, especially t- about... The female character, you know, boy, she's a dog. I'm just like, oh, shit, bro. Oh, my God. My goodness. I was not prepared for that. Not prepared. But other than that, though, like Ernest Borgnine is fantastic in that movie. He won Best Actor for the for the role. Oh, damn. Yeah, he was he was great. Uh, So I can check one off on one of the best picture winners there. Marty here in the month of March. Very nice. Very nice. So where did you that, watch it, by the way? I watched it on Canopy. Love Canopy. Okay. Canopy, oh. like if you have a library card, free movies. Yep. Five a month, <laughs> but still. So what I do is I make sure that that movie is not on any other streaming service. Right, right. So to not waste my five views. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Okay. Talking yeah. about views, you watched, we watched Creed 3 this weekend. Yes, we did. So we're going to be- talk about it. But before we talk about it, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. And if you like us, go ahead and review us. Give us five-star reviews wherever you can. Five stars goes a long way for us. 
Come and check us out on the socials to stay up to date on everything that we're doing, our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It is a great way for you to get involved and show your support and get extra content for as little as $2 a month. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And thank you to our patrons, Janet, Curtis, Bale, Cindy, City, and Grace. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, very, very... Th- we thank them a lot. Uh, <laughs> actually, I know. Why did I say it like that? It, yeah. it doesn't really make sense. Be uh, weird. I, if I'm not mistaken, we have another uh, Patreon subscriber. Uh, oh, no kidding. Yeah, we just got that Patreon subscriber. I believe it was... Uh, like yesterday or the day before, I will find their name and we okay. will shout them out during this episode. Uh, so sorry for not having it ready yet, but I will get that. Why name don't out. I give the IMDb synopsis? You for do that. Creed 3. Yeah. Okay. So the IMDb synopsis for Creed 3 is Adonis has been thriving in both his career and family life, but when a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy resurfaces, the face off is more than just a fight. Yes, it's more than just a fight. Uh, uh, real quick, just to shout out Alana. Alana. Alana has joined us on Patreon. Thank wow. you so much for joining us. We really appreciate that. Now, uh, back to Creed 3. This movie is directed by first-time director Michael B. Jordan. Hey! Uh, the <laughs> movie is written by Keenan Coogler and Zach Balin, screenplay by them. The story was by Ryan Coogler. And, of course, the movie stars Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Wood Harris, Felicia Richard, uh, Mila Davis-Kent, Jose Benavides, uh, Selines, uh, Leva. Uh, Selenis, Florian- I think. No? Selenis. Oh, yeah, you're right. Selenis Leva. Mm-hmm. Florian, uh, Florian Montagnu, uh, Thaddeus J. Mixon, Spence Moore II, and Tony Bellu. All right. All right. right. So uh, the cast, a lot of returning faces, a couple new ones here and there. Uh, One noticeably missing. Oh, we will talk about that in just a moment. But why don't you let us know how it did at the box office and with critics? Okay. So the box office, it made $58.7 million opening weekend. And it was estimated to just rake in $30 million before the weekend. So it's blew past that estimation. Yeah, huge. And worldwide, it's made $100.4 million since its Insane. opening. For reference, Creed, the first movie, made $29 million opening weekend. Creed 2 had a $35 million opening. And now this third movie, like I said, 58.7. Mill. Yeah, that's that's a significant jump. Yeah, significant jump. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now, critics. Rotten Tomatoes. So, the Rotten Tomato score is an eighty-seven percent, and the audience score is a ninety-six percent. So, audiences and critics pretty much really enjoyed this movie. The critics' consensus reads: Stepping out from Rocky Balboa's iconic shadow at last, the Creed franchise reasserts its champion status thanks to star Michael B. Jordan's punchy direction and a nuanced heel turn by Jonathan Majors. So, yeah, let's go ahead and let's talk about this movie. I want to um, let's start with the Sylvester Stallone part oh, first. Yes. 
Um, he's not in this movie. No, he's totally absent from the movie. Not even mentioned, not nope. even hinted at, no photos of him, no evidence of him. Like there is none of him. The only time there's a moment where he is referenced in in conversation regarding the fight between Apollo and himself. But I think But that is it. That is just I don't even know if they said Balboa. Did they say his name? No, they just said Rocky. Okay. They said Rocky. I thought they just said um if Apollo can give an uh, underdog a an shot. An underdog a shot. That was what I heard. I don't know if mm. I heard Rocky at any point. There was one moment where it was mentioned, okay. but it's so like it is so, so minor. bypassing, mm-hmm. so minor that it's it's pretty rare. Now, um, you sent me something earlier today. I did. Yes. And if you could uh, mention briefly what it was about, uh, basically more just in reference of why is it that Sylvester Stallone was not in this particular movie, not even a cameo. Like, why is it that Sylvester Stallone didn't make it into the movie? Okay, so basically, there is no Sylvester Stallone in this movie because of a longstanding beef that Stallone has with the owner <laughs> of the the content, of the franchise, and that's Winkler. Winkler, like I said owns it not Stallone and this is Stallone's baby this is his creation he won an Oscar off of the Rocky movies right and he's bitter about him buying the rights to this giant franchise that nobody knew was going to do so well and he hasn't probably seen the returns that he should because Winkler owns it and so you know that huge rift is why Stallone is not in this movie I think we had heard earlier that there was like some rumblings as well that he didn't agree with the creative direction of Creed 3 which was uh, Adonis was gonna be going through a darker place and he didn't like the creative direction that the character was gonna take without like going into spoilers or anything if you've seen the movie you can kind of get where Stallone is coming from And that also probably contributed to him not being in the movie. But thankfully, he doesn't seem to be at odds with um, Michael B. Jordan or um, Coogler or anybody else who's actually had hands on the movie. It's literally just like a behind the scenes feud, which is a shame. It is a shame because there are moments in the movie where you're kind of missing Rocky. Uh, being a mentor figure to Creed, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which he was in those first two movies, and to have him just suddenly kind of ripped out and not be acknowledged at all right? does, you know, know, there's moments where you can kind of feel like this would be a good moment to have Rocky in, you know? Yes, yes. So so those are the couple of things that I would say. So he was missed in the movie. Uh, Someone else who was missed, for me at least... And it was uh, Ludwig Göransson because this score was not quite hitting the way I thought it was. And the thing was that as I'm watching the movie, I'm waiting for that score to like hit right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not really getting there. And I'm like, 
what's going on? And then when the movie ends, it's because it's someone else who did the score. And I was like, oh, okay. that, that Right. With sense. themes by Ludwig, of course. But Right. But it's not the same. It wasn't the same. same. It Mm -hmm. wasn't the same. Like, sure, there are like a couple musical moments. Yeah, the motifs are there. The motifs are there. And even during the training montage, because, you know, there is going to be a song in the training montage, uh, a good musical note there. But still, it it was lacking, at least for me. Uh, Let's talk about Michael P. Jordan's direction. Okay, so I thought he was taking some creative chances. Yeah. In this movie, some that we have not seen before in the Rocky franchise or in the Creed franchise so far, which is really interesting. I thought that he was taking it in a very artsy direction Mm, as far as the composition of some of these shots. And I'm not talking about like lighting and like the use of shadows. I'm talking like, you know, instead of having a straight of. They just film the fight scene straight. They have like this artistic direction that they take and, you know, the crowd disappears and stuff, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, funny enough, uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, was talking about what his inspirations were when he was uh, making the movie. And apparently a lot of his themes were from anime anime yes and he even has a quote saying i love the themes of anime culturally what they say about the bonds of friendship betrayal revenge and promises um also on top of that like he he said that he referenced popular characters like from uh from naruto and from dragon ball z shut up yeah and so like there's some shots in the movie that you can clearly sense are like very anime style like shots uh you can see in the background when he's a kid like on his wall there's posters and i noticed and i was like is that a lupin the third poster <laughs> like that is like an anime for sure for sure but yeah there one thing i will say is that the shots really were like oh wow that's a very creative it's inventive choice and yeah. inventive um, I really enjoyed like like when the movie kind of slows down and you only see like the eyes for a moment and like extreme close ups in a yes. lot of places. Yeah. And so I, I can't wait to hear or to I can't wait to talk about like some of like the pivotal things, especially in the third act that happen mm-hmm. that like we're really like, whoa, this is a choice. You know, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, you know, it, you could take it for good or for bad. But, uh, you know, I can't wait to talk about that for sure. Do you know what? I'll like play devil's advocate here, because even though I thought it was very cool to see on screen mm-hmm. it um, and then, and, and, you know, creative and stuff. Was it fitting for the whole entire franchise as a whole? It definitely I don't like, think so. I don't steps think so. Out of it. Yeah. It it's completely the, setting uh, up something new at the third Creed movie. So that's my thing too. This doesn't quite feel as cohesive as the other Creed movies do. That's fair to say. And I don't know if you could, if you would, if I would go so far as to say it cheapens them. Not cheapens the other Creed movies, but cheapens Creed three. 
Because I, just, a th- just a thought. Not that I subscribe right, to this. Right. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I What I would say to that argument there. Maybe in the that, eyes of a Rocky Creed purist. Right. In a purist yeah. standpoint, I get it. But I have no problem with someone trying to push the the, the boundaries of mm-hmm. a franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing in their own sense of style, their own sense of right. story or how they want to infuse their energy into it. I don't mind mm-hmm. if as long as the core still feels of the franchise and the movie for me at least does feel like the core is there there's a there's a couple of things here that maybe are a little messy or maybe there's for a two-hour movie like they try to cram in a lot into the movie it feels like um you know there's different subplots happening at the same time so it does feel like they're trying to like really push a lot in uh this is a movie that i feel like either you take maybe a storyline out to let other things breathe or you extend the runtime to let other things breathe. So that's the only thing I would say about the thing, but I felt at its core, it still feels like a Creed movie, not really like a Rocky movie, but Mm -hmm. more of a Creed movie. Uh, That's how I feel. But with that said though, what I, what I think we should uh, end our general conversation part on is Jonathan Majors. Okay, so Jonathan Majors, again, blowing it out of the park. Oh, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry, blowing it out of the water, yeah. knocking it out of the park. There we go. <laughs> there we there go. We go. <laughs> um, this man is now in back-to-back number one movies, uh, Ant-Man, and then finally uh, mm-hmm. Creed. Three. I loved him. He was in fantastic. this movie. I thought he was very uh, cool. Like, I don't know. There was something about him that really sort of uh, meshed well with the Creed franchise and with Ap- Apollo, Adonis' story. And I just felt it was um, such such cool storytelling for him. Like, he's hiding a lot of his true intentions and his true feelings up toward Adonis. And that is always cool to see that sort of like <laughs> emotional sleight of hand and mm. uh, uh, just manipulation. Like that's manipulation. Oh, clearly. 110% the way yeah. he went about the things that he did in the movie. So I love seeing that, that he's not a, He's a very sympathetic character and he's not black and white. He's, you know, it's shades of gray because he does have something to prove. He does have a reason to feel intense jealousy and feel inadequate and have um, illusions of grandeur and an inferiority complex at the same time. It's all very possible to have at the same time. Yes. Yes. And I think he does a great job and there's moments where I wish the movie would explore a little bit more, which would have been like him on his own. You only get like one kind of moment yes, where you can see. We did get a lot him. more of like for instance, if you look at Drago in Creed Two. Yeah. And how they sort of built up his backstory and his character and his motivations and stuff. That was really compelling and, and interesting to watch. I'm not sure they did such a good job as that in this movie 
for but Jonathan Majors' character. With that said, though, I think that Jonathan Majors takes that character, and when he's on screen, he's such a commanding presence, mm-hmm. and he is such an amazing actor. The way, like, little subtle things he'll, like, do with his face and with his hands, and and then when he wants to come alive, uh-huh. like, he becomes boisterous, and he becomes loud, and, and you know... it's such an incredible performance and uh, (laughs) obviously we'll talk about it more in spoilers but before we get into spoilers uh, what did you give it as a grade I gave it a B plus Mm. yeah I I settled on B plus as well yeah Uh, I think it's pretty pretty great yeah but if I look at it in terms of like now this is a trilogy Mm -hmm. I have two other movies Yep. that I love and I just rewatched them so they're fresh in my mind. Right. I love the first two Creed movies. Right. I think they're excellent, they're rewatchable and I think they're better than this movie. So for me, I think that Creed Part 1 stands above all before, mm. you know, in the in the trilogy and I'm kind of on the fence on whether I like Part 2 or 3 more. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm a little uh, divided there. I'm not sure. I would have to revisit Creed too because I haven't I haven't been able to revisit it lately. Um, but revisit it just to kind of see how how it stands now after a couple of years. But B plus is also my standing on wow. the movie. So we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna talk spoilers for Creed three right after this. The greatest trick, Houston. We have a problem. I am the father. I see. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's go ahead and let's talk spoilers for Creed 3. Um, I, I think I want to start like at the end. I, I, I kind of want to okay. start in the third act. For, Be- for sure. All right. Yeah, so it's the final fight, and I really... I really found myself captivated by what he was doing with the final fight between Adonis and Damien. Yeah. And, um, there's, there's some moments where like the, the, um, the blue screen is not quite, you know, Uh, right. There's something a little bit too, um, shiny about the, the VFX in this part. Yes. Of the movie. And I guess you can forgive it because, you know, recency bias, maybe in a few years we'll be like, oh, this looks even more funky than I remember. But right now I think it's passable. And I think it works in the context of this is supposed to be like a larger than life moment for both of these characters. Mm -hmm. And this is a one on one personal fight. This has nothing to do with the crowd this has nothing to do with the belt mm-hmm. you know this is scores to settle this is <laughs> assertion of dominance this is just kind of animalistic and uh, rage fueled and so i kind of believe that both of these guys are just zeroed in on each other and maybe the blue screen or whatever that they did to create this effect wasn't 100. I don't think I really care that much. Right. 
Oh, yeah. So let me let me just rewind there. What I mean there is not necessarily in the effect of like when in the middle of the match, the people go away and they start doing that stuff. Are you I talking do mean about a little bit before? I okay. do mean like when you see the grandeur of Dodger Stadium, like it all kind of looks a little like fake when when you're looking at it because you're looking at Dodgers the external shots and the the. You know, and helicopter shots or whatever. And all that, and it's of, not real. Oh my it is, gosh. It's not real. This like, is a moment where I thought, I can't believe that they did this in Dodger Stadium. And you're like, hell no, they didn't do it in nah, Dodger Stadium. Like Dodger sometimes, Stadium, bro. bro, bro, sometimes I wish watching movies with you because you'll say that kind of shit in the theater and it'll break my like little brain. <laughs> Like that time that we watched, this is a tangent, but that time tangent. we watched the 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 three five five, yeah. Oh, and yeah. you were like, <laughs> you were like, Fan Bing Bing is not there in the room. They've CGI'd her face onto some other actress, and she's not really there. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I don't, I don't know how I went the rest of the movie without falling out of my chair because I was stunned. And this is that this feels kind of like that moment yeah because you're telling me they didn't fill dodger stadium and have this fight oh my god no they did not man, <laughs> man. there is a clear shot at the very beginning when they s- helicopter shot over dodger stadium i was like "Ooh, they probably could have done better on this cgi here it was not really dodger stadium filled up with people and fireworks and stuff <laughs> They probably filmed in a blue screen arena where there was probably like a first few rows were filled up and then the rest was just, you know, but I'm sorry to break that to you there. Yeah, you should be because (laughs) I was like eating it up and I thought you're talking about later in the fight where like everyone else melts away. So I didn't have a problem with that. I actually found that that was the inventive part for me. Yeah, was yeah. when the entire crowd goes away because, like you were saying, this fight is not about anybody else except for the two men in that ring. The two men who, uh, one is running away from his past, at least that's his vision of it, that he's always been running away and he's been accused of running away by Damien. And then there's Damien's side who he has it out for the world because he's been trapped in jail for 18 years for mm-hmm. a crime like possession of a of a gun and you know now he sees someone else his own friend the one that used to carry his gloves have the life that he envisioned for himself and uh-huh. so that collides and i really appreciate that they brought their past into visionary storytelling because that's one thing that they're sit- I- like the kids are sitting in the corner mhm in the corners and stuff and staring each other down and yes, you know, it's, it's good. That's, that's different. That's wildly yeah. different yes. from previous iterations of, of fights in Rocky and Creed movies. So, right. But what I, what I enjoy is that you're using the visual medium to, to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're not trying to explain it. You're not like, Oh, that person over there, I still see a teenage version of whatever, you, you know, you're not, like saying it, you're like you're showing showing it. it, yeah. Which has always been my problem with a lot of movies is that they usually will explain something instead of showing it. 
Uh, so I really enjoy that. Uh-huh. Um, I think a lot of the shots of them fighting, like they're the one shot that I think a lot of people have been talking about online <laughs> is when Damien gets him right in the gut. Yeah. And it's slow mo's and you see Michael B. Jordan's oh, eyes, his just eyes like bulge, widen. Yeah. And you see like the sweat like bounce off his back. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's like, very visceral. Like, yes, it was. And it was kind of more of the same. Like the Creed movies have done this way more than any Rocky movie ever did. But like these extreme close ups, these macro shots of the fights. Mm-hmm. And in this case, just dialed up to 11, I thought, for yeah. Creed 3. And yeah, that shot is incredible. Because there's, I don't know why, but like that shot in particular is very painful and jolting to like your system. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Because it's not just like, oh, like he no, doubled no. over and he started. No, it's like a the scale is rising in uh, pain and discomfort and you're seeing it play out slowly across his face. And the fact that he's knocking the fucking sweat off his back with the punch. Yeah. Is serious. Like, it's serious. Yeah, it's a very serious and visceral fight, like you uh-huh. said. Yeah. Um, and then I can't remember, uh, like, you know, they they kind of punch each other into the into the ropes where the jail cell is and then they punch each other into the corner where the mattress was that they would try to hide from their abusive foster care father you know like little things like that that got sprinkled into the fight and then at one point when they just kind of like hit each other and then finally the ring ends or the you know round ends and then everything comes back and it's already at the end of the you're at the end of the fight that's how in the zone they were from like rounds three through 11 mm-hmm. that nothing mattered around them. Mm-hmm. There was nothing around them. Uh, so overall. Uh, my, my disappointment invented. with Go that ahead. final fight was that neither of them said checkmate. Mm. Okay. What was the deal with that? With because checkmate. that was like a little thing that Damien had done in his earlier fight when they were kids on the night that everything like went down, evidently, mm-hmm. you know, he does this fight and turns to Adonis and says, check me and like beats the guy in a single round in the first round. In the first it's round. It's like just a KO right there. So and they I bring thought, it back in the Ricky Conlon fight. Right. In South Africa. Right. Where like, you know, it looks like he's losing, but Duke is like, come on, you're going to. And he goes, check me. But they, I thought that they were going to do it in the final fight. It would have been nice going into the 12th round where Creed... Adonis says... Checkmate. Checkmate. It would have been nice. And knocks him out. Yeah. Like, rule of threes. Yeah. Rule of threes. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So that final sequence is just... There's so much there. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Um I think Tessa Thompson. Uh, Let's back. talk about Tessa and her character because and I feel like in the Rocky movies, right? Like Tessa is the Adrian character. Yes, very right. Much so. She's Adonis's Adrian. Yeah, and I don't feel like Adrian was ever necessarily grown as a character throughout the Rocky franchise. She kind of just exists in his orbit and she's his muse, so to speak. The reason why he's 
trying to improve himself, better himself, get them set up fi- financially and, f- you know, fight and stuff. If someone insults Adrian, like that's fucking it. So right. for Adonis and his wife, like she's not just his wife. No. Right. Like she's her whole and ent- a whole entire person has a whole entire career and she has struggles of her own, which kind of culminate in this movie where we find out she's given up on performing live. Yes. And which is a just, big deal. Which is a huge deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. And it just feels like the movie kind of pushes it to the side. It does feel like it pushes it to the side, especially because it seems like it's a little bit like when paired with Jonathan Majors and his struggle, they sort of align together both of their struggles. Yeah. Right? Like what is like something that you give up, something your dream. Like how does it feel? Right. How does to it To watch someone else live out your dream. Yes. <laughs> That's a giant concept. Yeah, it is. And and you really see it when he, they're at the party. Yeah, and, and they start he, talking. Yeah, yeah. He, uh Jonathan Major starts talking to her and he's like What's it like seeing somebody else sing your songs? Which Kelani killing it. Killing it, of course. Killing it. Yeah, yeah. But okay. at the same time, still, like, it's still a question that comes up is like, you know, like, how does it feel yeah. to have someone else singing your song? Your song. And, you know, she tries to kind of make light of it. It's like, if anybody's going to do it, it's her, you know? Like, mm-hmm. but, you know, you do see that there is a pain there. That obviously she had to give up something. She had to give up her life uh, in order to not only uh, raise the child that her and Adonis have, but also uh, to support Adonis's life. Because in a way, they couldn't coexist. She couldn't keep touring. Yeah, exactly. You know, with a baby and uh, Adonis doing what he's doing every Mm -hmm. few months, fighting and stuff. Like, that's not uh, sustainable. It's not sustainable, and it's not something that would be able to uh, lead to a healthy relationship, which sucks. What I'm glad is that they don't say necessarily that she gave up because she was a mother now. No, they never said that. No. No, they they made it It clear. was truly like her uh, progressive hearing loss yep. that she wanted to preserve what what little hearing she had left and this was the best way and i mean we've both been on stages (laughs) where music is blaring and yeah it's freaking loud yep yep like no matter if you have in ears in or not (laughs) in ears yeah but it's true it's true you're right about that so i can see why she was like look i just couldn't anymore right because at a certain point it just becomes too much to to be able to handle all of it and at uh, at the same time losing your hearing which is mm. so vital for a musician yeah she yeah. has to be able to hear herself in order to sing and produce yeah now she was the emotional connection for the movie like she's the one that's trying to bring out the story from Adonis from his childhood he doesn't well, this talk was about very it. frustrating go ahead to yes. me because I feel like it's been two movies, right? Mm-hmm. They've been together for year, many years now. Yeah. 
And she still basically has no idea exactly how he grew up and who his friends were and vital touch points in his youth, in his coming of age or whatever. And I don't know. I feel like that's pretty important. He's just kind of steeled that off. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty cool. I like you back and whatever. Like he just (laughs) is like, let's live for the now. And she's like, you have issues. Like there's a vital disconnect that happens between them in this movie. And you almost feel like, I mean, they're on the rocks. He needs to open up. He needs to open up. He doesn't, he does not open up. And I kept thinking of this line that I, I've heard in, in every different thing. And it's like, man, men will do anything to not go to therapy. True. Even if it means beating the crap out of your like best friend in a boxing ring. So like they'll do anything not to go to therapy. So, so and yeah, she like, insinuates therapy as well. She's like, if you're not going to talk, Talk to somebody if it's not me. If it's not me. Yeah. Because you got to work it out. That. Yeah. She does. Alluding to therapy. Yeah. But it is frustrating to watch Adonis just sort of implode and like cave in on himself in this mm-hmm. movie versus just communicating. If only, you know, like it's a very simple. Do so much. Right. Even with Jonathan Majors as Damien. If only they just talked it out but like they do after the fight. Like That's wh- not what so, men do. <laughs> right. That's what's frustrating to me is that maybe the other Creed movies and the other Rocky movies have a sense of there is no other way around just fighting it out. Mm. And this movie doesn't have that going for it. I do feel like there's no sense in the fight. Fundamentally, it's a breakdown in communication. And nobody wants to, like, it's a staring contest and no one wants to blink first. Which sucks. Which sucks. It does. I think it is like a, a weakness of the movie. And the movie tries to sell you on the fact that you do what you have to do, um... You know, if you have to fight, then you have to fight. And what it's like, okay, male machismo is only going to get you so far. (laughs) Obviously. So it's sad that after the fight, they can finally talk. And they forgive each other. And Damien's like, it was never on you. Yeah, It's never your fault. It was never your fault. He says it to him at the end. And it's like, okay, then why did you fucking why fight? Like, did yeah. We have to get to this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it does suck. It does suck that it could have easily been more resolved. But then again, we don't get the movie if that's. The I case. don't think they ever wanted to. <laughs> right. I don't think they ever necessarily wanted to make Damien a villain villain because mm. you have like the jealousy factor. I don't think was played up as much as it was in the trailers. Right. Where he has this deep rooted jealousy that Adonis made it and he didn't. He's been locked up for 18 years. So I don't know if it was just the, the communication thing that hindered this, like 
because you could say, oh, the fight is because they just, there's bad blood, sure. But really, I think the, the better play is you have what I want. Right? You have this prestige, you have all the belts, you have this wonderful life, and I want it. Right. I want to take what's what's rightfully mine or whatever. Well, and they do say like a versions of this throughout the movie, like Jonathan Majors' character. But I don't believe it because of this brotherhood that they try to preserve. Mm. You know? I see what you're saying. Like by the end, like they're on great terms. Not great. But They're they have on, patched things up. Right. They've patched things up, which I don't think. And there's that, no more animosity. Which seemed wrong with how hard those guys were going at it. True. Like they were going for blood. They were going for blood. It was it was really intense. Uh, but the way the movie kind of, you know, sells it is that, well, it's resolved. That's it. Right. Like, oh, that's you got it. got it done. Like you won. It's over. Yeah. It's all good. It's not like he calls him champ and it's like, okay. Like that's the okay. Like, yeah. I don't know. Your family's waiting for you, champ. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I know. Okay. Um, All right. Anyway. Other story. I mean, do you agree? Do you disagree? Like, do you get where I'm coming from about? I see. No, no. I totally get where you're coming from. And I think that having. The way the movie ends where it's so amicable does leave you with like, hmm, it doesn't feel like this should be as amicable as it should be or as it is, as mm. it's showing. Right. Um, I feel like there would still be resentment from the Damien character or, you know, also like a sense of like um, resistance between the two after a fight like that. Um. So... Yeah, it makes it tough to kind of just sit there and be like, well, they resolved everything because it's not quite that's not how how things go mm-hmm. normally. That's not how life goes. So. Right. So, yeah, like I, I've held grudges for less. <laughs> OK, <laughs> <laughs> this man went to jail because he pulled out a gun to stop, you know, his friend from to being help beat up. this little bro. And then he. uh runs off and he never gets caught by the police for starting this terrible assault on uh, their old foster dad. Obviously he was a, he was a, a, an abuser, but still, you know, the law is impartial. If you feel me like (laughs) that's, (laughs) it's not going to see that. All right. So, uh, we have also Felicia Richard. Felicia Richard. Did they have to kill her? I don't think they did. I don't think they had to kill her. I I get that they wanted some type of emotional catharsis. I would have believed it better had Rocky died. Yeah. There you go. There. That's how you get. Rocky. That's how you get rid of. Rocky. That's how you get. Rocky. Fully, you know what? I fully believe that walking into this movie, they would say Rocky died. Hmm. So you thought? I thought Rocky died. Oh, walking into okay. it and was expecting some sort of like line or like it's coming up on a, a two years or whatever since Rocky died. And mm. do you want to go back to Philly or something to visit Philly? 
And he goes, no, like LA is my home now, which we didn't talk about this yet, but this is firmly a Los Angeles movie. Oh, clearly, clearly. Like Such we a have Los Angeles left movie. the East Coast long ago. Uh-huh. We, last, we left Philly. We left everything behind. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense because uh, if you if you look at like sports stars or even musicians, anyone, basically L.A. becomes their home after a certain amount of time. Uh-huh. It always happens. It's it's actually something that uh, you'll hear a lot of uh, sports fans notice, like NBA stars, mm. like, you know, they <laughs> play in Milwaukee, they play in Dallas, but where are their homes? L.A., mm-hmm. you know, so so it wasn't surprising, but boy, did they really take the Philadelphia out of this story? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is it's part of what story. makes it's create story, but that also makes it feel like the loss of Rocky or the absence of Rocky so much more. Yeah. Because there is no Philly in this movie. There is no Philly. Man, you are right about that. There's no Philly in this movie. And so that kind of changes like the grit Mm. of the movie there's always been this um this kind of argument that like east coast has like more of a gritty nature than Mm. the west coast like it like it feels like it's harder to grow up on the east coast Mm -hmm. not to say that it's easy to grow up anywhere so please do not come at me i'm just trying to say that there is a generalization it's a generalization i know it's a stereotype it's a cliche but there is this sense of like, if you grow up like in the Northeast, Philly, Boston, New York, you know, like in cities I mean, like New that. New England is. <laughs> I mean, New England. But yeah. if you grow up in cities like that, like in the in the in the urban areas or anything like that, that it there is like this toughness that comes from it. Mm. Versus mm-hmm. the shininess of the West Coast of right. LA, you know, the where softness. everything is easy. Yeah, you know. Uh, it's a different lifestyle, like it's a different granted. Lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, you're right about that. It's a completely different lifestyle. And mm-hmm. so the movie does kind of like feel like everything's easy for Adonis. Oh, you're taking it further than I did. Okay. Yeah, like life has gotten easy for him. Like Oh yeah, he, it's very pleasant. He's he's the champ. He lives up in the hills, the hills with his yeah. With his producer wife and with their daughter and then he runs a gym and like everything is like phone calls and negotiating. Tailored Nothing, suits. Right. Premieres. Yeah, parties. And, and Damien even kind of points at it. It's like, oh, you're wearing a suit and everything. And then like Adonis is like, you know, sometimes this is like the uniform to, to wear for certain things. So, yeah. So there is the dichotomy of those two, those two uh-huh. lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way Philly is a is like such a deep contrast to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's where yeah, the because story goes. You had a lot of beach shots. You had a lot of palm trees. You had a little bit more orange in the color grading. You mm-hmm. had a little more of Jonathan Majors working out in these like muscle. Uh, on muscle a, beach yes on like muscle beach and stuff yeah and he was working out yeah hard. Was so hard it's very la oh very super LA. la huge difference from the other creed movies and 
giant difference from the Rocky franchise. Um, did we want to talk about the daughter and the way that... Well, first of all, she's adorable, but... She is. It is hinted at that she wants to be a fighter. Yes. And not so subtle hint either. Not so subtle hints that she <laughs> likes the the fight. Right. So, she likes the hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> because Bro, she gets I in lost trouble it. in school. I lost it when she got in trouble in school because I believe... What does she do? She takes her drawing... Rips, rips it in it. half. Rips it in and half. And then this girl fucking gets out of her seat and Yo. winds back and launches this giant punch at her. That wind up was oh. sick. Oh. I was just like, oh, I was ready for that. Like, yeah. wind up like that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, I think what the movie's hinting at there, maybe I'm reading into it, but I think the movie's kind of hinting at like, we can possibly create like legacy sequels out of yes, this, yes. You know, it's starting to movies. feel a little Skywalkery. Ooh, ooh. Okay. <laughs> please, I said what I please. said. Yeah, uh, explain. Elaborate. Yeah, so, elaborate. Why not? I mean, so we have the Rocky franchise, which is all well and good. We'll call those the original trilogy. From George Lucas. So then we have this Creed trilogy, which not in in terms of quality or anything, but we'll call those a the same as the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. from Georgie. So now from Georgie. <laughs> we now we have a daughter of Adonis who could potentially also take up the mantle and be a fighter. Okay. This is the Disney trilogy. Okay. I can, I can see it. I can see what you're saying. Not to fricking mention actually, now that I'm recalling, there is a, uh, um, oh my God. I just had his name in my head. Oh my God. What is Lundgren's character? Oh, Drago. Drago. My God. There's a Drago movie in the works. Oh, like a project in the works. That's right. I forgot that that's that's a thing. I don't know if it's a movie or a TV show, but a Drago spinoff in the works. Of course. So, I mean, that just backs up my whole Skywalkery theory. That that's where we're kind of leading into. It kind of yeah. feels like everyone gets a spinoff. Right. And it's creating its own universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eh, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about it either. I don't know if I fully like that. I don't think I like it either. <laughs> as much as I fucking love Rock and Creed. I love Rock like, and Creed. But yeah. do we really need all that? Probably not. I mean, it's the next Fast franchise, I guess. It, because it's It'll all just about family? Be, get, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another one. That's all we one. need is to like for Vin Diesel to be a contender in one of these <laughs> movies. Oh, my God. Full circle. Full I'm not going to lie. Not the worst idea I've ever heard. Not the worst idea, right? <laughs> not the worst idea. And then like Tyrese is in his corner. 
He's the cut man. Uh, no, I was I was gonna try to do an impression, but I don't have a good Tyrese. Oh impression. no, don't do it! I don't, don't do have it. a good one. But you so know, speaking of Cutman and like the corner people, yeah, how cool was it to see a uh, lady on the mitts? That was pretty good. I yeah, like that. she's actually a, a trainer or a famous mitts person. Yeah, yeah, and which is speed. why her mitts said Queen on them. That's nice. her nickname. Yeah, I really like that. I yeah. really. Uh, the the training montage, I think. Like, uh, this is one of the lesser montages, in is. my opinion. It is. And the mon, I kind of live for these montages. Yeah, okay? they're good. What's usually. so special about each montage? What's memorable about the montages? And this one wasn't wasn't that memorable. I guess what's memorable about this montage is that you're trying to convince you that Michael B. Jordan is old. Okay. And we need to talk been. about this. Okay. <laughs> because this entire movie, like, they're trying to convince fresh. both of these men are old. Right. You know, Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan. I get it in <laughs> boxing at the age that they're supposed to be playing, they are technically old. <laughs> but the shape that these men are in and everything, they're not old. They're not old. Like, think- they. <laughs> Go for it. There's Just there's continue. two things that I think will be memorable. Well, one thing that's going to be memorable from the montage, probably, and it's Michael B. Jordan pulling a plane. Pulling a plane. Yeah, pulling I think that's what they wanted. They wanted to the walk moment away. that people like can. Yeah. Like, oh my god. But I don't think it rings as as good as like let's talk about the first creed montage okay the first creed montage is him training alongside rocky who's going through chemo yes and he's doing it in the hospital rooms he's doing it in the in the gym and rocky's helping him gain his rhythm on Mm -hmm. some of these exercises and conditioning that he's doing and of course you have the running scene yes with all of the neighborhood you know, guys on what's what is it like ATVs and motorcycles? Yes, going to visit Rocky in front of his house. Like they end up at Rocky's house, and Rocky sort of watches their like that uh, is just you know pep rally in the middle of the street while he's fired upstairs, up. and it makes you so excited. Yeah, yeah, it, it goosebumps. You know, yeah, it does. And then in Rocky, in I'm sorry, in Creed two. Like they go out to the desert. They go to freaking, I don't know if it's Mexico, if it's New Mexico or just the desert here in America, but oh my God, it is in the middle of nowhere desert. And then you have like these crazy training type of stuff. Yep. Catching the chicken. Yes. What is that? What was that about? Like training the neck by putting weights around the head and just like trying to lift his (laughs) neck. Uh, And then he's, his, you know, doing sparring partners and stuff but they put the tire in the ring and he's yeah. like this is gonna be a toe-to-toe fight you gotta learn how to fight toe-to-toe that's what it's gotta be and like they're literally putting one foot inside this car so tire and fighting they, can't dodge him. they cannot get out yeah yeah they have so to great. stay in that close zone and on top of that the musical cue by uh, ludwig in that Stop one it. is fantastic Stop. i love Ooh. that one that one is so good amazing uh so so, so this then one, this yeah, one is this a little one, bit like, mm. <laughs> like, hey, it's not bad. Like if in any other boxing movie, it would be a great montage. But because you're inside of this franchise, you're going to get graded against the others. Mm-hmm. So it's going to mm-hmm. be tough sledding there. You have to make sure you come 
correct when you do a <laughs> montage in this in this uh you come correct you come correct i'm not gonna lie you come correct or you don't yeah. come at all so, all right um anything else that you want to touch on in the movie i because had we've, something we've definitely talked a good amount of, of in the movie uh, um oh my god i wanted to talk about something and it like left my mind completely oh no uh crap what was what was your favorite moment of the movie i feel like uh, we don't do that enough and i think we should favorite moment of the movie kind of incorporate that a little more yeah we've done it on and off for episodes but favorite favorite part uh you go first sure i think that the that sequence in the third act during the final fight where the crowd goes away and you start seeing like all the things from the past fill up the ring, come in and out. Uh, and the fact that they see a younger version of themselves across from each other. I think that is probably the most memorable moment for me. Um, w- there is one moment that I really like, though. It- it's a very quick moment. And it's after uh, Damien starts getting a little heated in the gym with the with the current champion oh yeah and Felix. He, and he tells him to like walk you know take a walk and duke is like i'm telling you man this was a bad idea and then like he like quiets and then jonathan majors is walking by don't get quiet now yeah <laughs> <laughs> well he also says a fantastic line in here that uh trainer man i forget his name but he he's given a lot of really good lines in this movie yeah wood and harris the lines, is the character or the actor the- you're right. One of the lines is he says it there in that moment when he's chewing out uh, Adonis and he says he's showing you who he is. Believe him. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That is a good line. Mm-hmm. He's showing you who he is. Believe him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because th- that that's one thing that he doesn't mince words. He tells, you know, Creed at first he comes like so- trying to come softly like, hey. I want to train. I want to be a champ, you know? And then when he's in his house and they're looking at the championship belts and all of a sudden Damien's like, maybe I didn't make myself clear. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Now is when it's going to start going down. I want a shot at the champ. Yeah. I want a title shot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like Michael B. Jordan is like, come on, I can't do that. And it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> you did it. And just like, really calling them out so right i really thought like that's where like the movie like really picked up it was just like when when damien like really shows like yeah i'm not messing around um i've lost time i i i need to gain what i set out to do when i was younger and i'm not gonna have you waste my time so either give me what i want which is a title shot or get out of my way and you know, it, it gets pretty serious there. So I guess my favorite part is the party like where Kalani performs mm. and then they have that one on one between him and Bianca. And you see Michael B. Jordan just kind of whining and dining people. And I don't know. It's very I don't know. It's more drama. It more is drama. more drama. And then I like the moment where you see him in retirement and his daughter wakes him up from a nap and yep. it's to play like have a 
to have a tea party. Have a tea party. Outside. And he's in this giant onesie. <laughs> it's very heartwarming. It is. It is. It's it very, very heartwarming. Yeah. And I don't know why anyone would come out of retirement. <laughs> like, from that retirement. Yeah. At you that know what point, I'm saying? Just, yeah, you just got to know when to call it quits, man. At a certain yeah. point, call it quits. Of course, mm-hmm. is he going to call it quits? No. Why would he? Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. I think yeah. uh, that is probably all. I mean, we've already talked enough about Creed. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for this part of the conversation. Stick around. We are going to go ahead and talk about Cocaine Bear right after this. All right, so let's go ahead and let's turn the conversation to Cocaine Bear. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is a pretty this is a wild. Uh, okay, so. This is a film. This is a film. Uh, why don't you tell <laughs> us a little bit about what this movie's about? Okay, so the IMDb synopsis reads, An oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converge on a Georgia forest where a huge black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine yes uh <laughs> now this movie is directed by elizabeth banks uh yes, you'll know that her elizabeth banks. yes that elizabeth banks uh you'll probably know her from uh her many gigs in hollywood she was part of the pitch perfect franchise she was one of the announcers also directed those as well yes I believe. yeah she was a sh- uh, showrunner <laughs> Show, I think show definitely not a showrunner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she directed it. Uh, the movie was written by Jimmy Warden. It is based loosely on a true story. Um, loosely. Loosely. Uh, so the movie itself does star uh, Carrie Russell, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Ray Liotta in his final film performance. <laughs> Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Isaiah Whitlock Jr., uh, Brooklyn Prince, Margot Martindale, character <laughs> actress Margot Martindale, uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, uh, Christian Conver- Convery, and then Christopher Hivju. Uh, he plays Olaf, but re- Olaf, that, that's so funny to me. <laughs> but he's from Game of Thrones. He's Tormund from Game of Thrones, for those who don't know. Uh, how did this do with the critics and how did it do at the box office? So the box office is sitting at a $23.2 million opening and as of today, and we're recording this uh, a few days after the weekend. Yeah. And then $32.5 million worldwide since opening. The Rotten Tomatoes score is 75% and the the audience score is 70%. So the critics liked it more than the audience. Than the audience. And the critics consensus reads, despite Cocaine Bear's half-baked plot. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Half-baked plot and uneven acting. The titular fur fiends scene snorting frenzy will give B-movie enthusiasts a contact high. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the All puns right. in these critics' consensus. Yeah, they're fantastic. I love great. the puns in them. They're really funny. 
So, okay. So now to talk about this movie here. <laughs> uh, okay. So w- what did you think of this movie? Oh my god, it's a fucking 10 out of 10 movie. I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was so stupid and funny and gory and I loved all of the characters. It's basically an ensemble cast and this bear just like eating up the neighborhood. It's like wildly entertaining and It really is. I mean, I had nothing bad to say. <laughs> I really really think that You know, I had this whole thing in my head about are bad movies the same as campy movies? And I really don't Mm. think that that's the case at all. A lot of people will try and pass off a bad movie saying, oh, it's campy, it's campy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a campy movie. This knew exactly what tone it was going for, knew exactly the audience it was going for, did no holds barred, balls to the wall, and it worked. I thought it worked tremendously. And yeah, it's not cinema, Scorsese style, but was I chomping on popcorn the whole time and having a ball in the theater? Absolutely. I had a lot of fun with the movie. I think that once you walk into a movie that's called Cocaine right. Bear, I think you kind of know what to expect. Exactly. And what I expected was carnage. What I expected was funny. <laughs> yeah. What I expected was a little out there as well. Uh, my only complaint about the movie that I would say holds it back from like being like a real cult classic. Oh, man. I feel like there wasn't enough of the bear. Enough of the bear? I thought there was a lot Enough of the bear. Enough of the bear. There was a good amount of the bear decently near the end. And, like, especially in the second half of the movie, there's definitely a lot of bear. Uh, but, like, that first half setting everybody else up and giving us kind of backstory, yeah. I was like, okay. It's basically nothing. the Jaws treatment not too bad. for the bear. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They, they really did use that template. Mm-hmm. Of of the bear, you know what would have been even even cool, and this is probably stepping on slight, you know, spoiler, but that's okay. At at the beginning of the movie, we kind of see the bear attack. I think it would have been better to not actually see the the bear attacking, but kind of like in the shrubbery, like it takes the you know takes people mm-hmm. as victims, but we don't actually see the bear yet. So to really lend into the mystery, and then once we see the bear. On the cocaine, then it becomes like a riot from there. <laughs> That's my only note, I would say. It would have been that. That's it. Uh, I think right. everybody knows. And I don't subscribe. I don't subscribe to that. Fair thing. enough. Uh, okay. But I will say everybody does know what kind of movie they're in. This is oh, this yeah. is yeah. a very uh, well-casted group of people for this type of movie. Yes. Um, yes. Of course, uh like, the biggest names, I would say, are, like, Carrie Russell and Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, that hairstyle and the getup that he's in is just... The sunglasses at top, night. Top notch. Arch- <laughs> top notch. Yes. yes it, it's it's um, fantastic what he's wearing. Uh, and then Carrie Russell, you know, doing doing the mom thing. Uh, you know, single momming it out. Uh, you know, there's the 
I don't know if like there's just certain actresses after a certain point in a career, they're like, I have to play a single mom. Uh, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. But it, it's, it wasn't a bad role. It's just it's more of a commentary of like Hollywood of like, hey, Carrie Russell, you've already reached this point in your You're career. You're of age. You're of age. <laughs> What's even worse is when when they get someone really young to play like mm. a mom. And it's just like, what the hell are you doing with this actress playing a mom? You know, it, right. it's, it's a, I can't think of a very good example. Right I got now. one. I got the, one. The Spy Kids mom. Oh, yes. Um, she was like in her 20s. Yeah. And she's like. And she had kids like at teens. 13. And she had teenage yeah, yeah. kids. Yeah, exactly. It, it, there we go. And then Antonio Banderas was what in his 40s? Yeah, exactly. There was like a massive age difference and we just let that go because it's a kids movie and why are we thinking about age gaps in, in relationships? But I mean, today looking back on it, I'm like still a power couple, still icky, still terrible. <laughs> they made this woman who's like in the prime of her life, a mother to like two children, married, <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah, like that does happen. Anyway, so that's a that's you know, a side quest there. That's a completely <laughs> right. different conversation. No, no, no. But um, enjoyable performances by everybody. Um, Jesse Tyler uh, Ferguson, that getup that he had with the really bad wig and the <laughs> the park ranger outfit. Not park <laughs> ranger, but just like the nature enthusiast outfit. Yes. It, it was so bad like I on him, but it was hilarious. I loved it. No, I know. It was so funny. It was so funny. Everybody, like, was a gag. Like, all of what they're wearing is 80s gag costuming. Like, you would wear this to an 80s party. Right. Yeah, exactly. Dress up 80s, (laughs) and this is exactly what you would wear. This is it. This is it. Uh, So I thought, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun at the theater, especially if you get, like, a good crowd with you. How was your crowd at your theater? Oh, my God. So glad you asked. So I walked into this theater and I wa- I watched this yesterday. So middle of the week, basically. And it was a 715 showing. I walked in and I had just ordered a large popcorn that was going to come to my seat because I had a dining seat. And someone was sitting in my seat and not just anyone. It was maybe an 80 year old woman sitting in my seat. The entire row, as a matter of fact, was taken over by elderly ladies. Hmm. And I was like, this is confusing. And had I not ordered something from the dine-in that was coming to my seat, I would have been like, you know what? It's not even worth it. And just sat in one of the wing chairs. Because, you know, there's like two two wing chairs on either side of the theater and then this long center row. So I had a center row seat. I actually, I was like, I'm so sorry, but I think you're in my seat. Like I did this whole like song and dance, right? Like very polite because I don't want to be rude in the middle of this theater. No, no, definitely not. I don't want to, you know, it's not, it's not that serious. I was still in the middle of the trailers and stuff and they go, oh, I, well, we'll move or whatever. They're obviously in the wrong seat. So two, two of the elderly ladies get up and move to their seats. They were in those two wing chairs off to the left. In the same row, but all the way to the left. So I was like, okay. So I sit down and I'm like, I get my popcorn. I'm really happy, like watching all these Red Van trailers. And then these like three girls show up. I think they they were probably my age. So they show up 
and they're looking for their seats and it's the rest of the oh row of elderly ladies. Oh so God. they're like, oh, we're in the seats. So they're like, oh, they, the whole thing of them getting up out of the chair, the putting the electric chair up and stuff. And their seats are like down below, like in the B section. Oh, wow. And like oh, off wow. To the side. I was like, did they just, did they just all decide? I think, yeah, to- that's exactly it, they're like we don't like the seats we bought so we're just gonna sit where we yeah. actually want to i'm like did you just fucking like choose that's not how it works i was i was completely befuddled at that point that they just decided to all of them choose the seat they'd rather have right and uh i mean good luck to them when amc starts rolling out the tier oh pricing God, or whatever yes <laughs> like it doesn't matter now because all the seats cost the same but i was like wow these people are in for a rude awakening but anyway yes, they are my theater was a mixed bag as you can already tell because i had like i don't know 10 or 10 or 12 elderly people in the theater the theater was packed and then i had young people the theater was a hot crowd it was a lot of commentary during the movie, really? a lot of ooing and aahing. Yes, it was so much fun. Mm. How was your So theaters? my theater experience was, um, let me see. I went to go see it on a Friday night of opening weekend. Uh, so it was full. I, it was a full dine-in theater. And f- for the most part, it was uh, some laughing some you know some just general good vibes throughout uh nothing nothing out of the ordinary although it was funny during the trailers which again a record four red band trailers i had never seen four red band trailers ridiculous uh during the trailer for evil dead rise the new evil Mm, dead they didn't like that one either yes my crowd did yeah the crowd on mine was like you heard someone like hell no just like yell out hell no uh yeah they're not they're not feeling that one uh right well i had the golden girls sitting next to me still at that point and they did not like that trailer <laughs> at all uh the the one that that really got like a good reception was uh strays the talking dog one Oh, that's the one up. that got that's that the one, one that got the best re- reaction. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know right. why, but yeah, people love uh, talking dogs. Homeward Bound 2.0. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> before we get into spoilers about the movie, anything else that you want to kind of talk about? No. All right. No. So what is Let's your letter it. grade for the movie? I would give it a B. I would give it a B, B minus. But again, it's it's not really any fault of the movie. We're right up, right. Yeah, we're very other. close. Yeah. So, all right. So we're gonna talk about spoilers for Cocaine Bear right after this. The greatest trick, Houston. We have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You the truth he didn't exist oh what's in the box all right we are in spoilers for cocaine bear uh is there a particular scene that you just loved i did not expect to see children doing cocaine yeah 
that threw me off. So I was like, oh, and I kept thinking they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They're going to hold it. They're going to see it. And then all of a sudden, these two preteens, I want to say. Yeah, they're preteens. They end up putting cocaine in their mouth and then accidentally snorting some because it goes up in the air and they like sniff it. So, yeah, that threw me off. I was just like, whoa, we're actually doing this. Yeah, I was like, that's heavy. That's too heavy. (laughs) (laughs) I know the cocaine bear is out there and it's like hopped up on cocaine. But the children doing cocaine threw me. Um, I think O'Shea Jackson should get some sort of recognition for this because I really enjoyed his whole shtick with his outfit and dealing with a, a grieving Eddie who's played by Alden uh, Aaron Rick I think is how you say Aaron his name Rick. but O'Shea like with the jersey and then they rip a hole in his jersey and he's like my fucking jersey I love this jersey <laughs> and the the kicks like his his, um, his Jordan 1's he's wearing Jordan 1's yes ones. his Jordan 1's so he said he just yeah he steps them. like on ketchup packet and he's like trying to yeah. wipe it <laughs> <laughs> in front of Ray, Ray Liotta's character. Yeah. And then also hiking him just in the outdoors. Oh, and then it's such a it's water. such a funny visual watching him. Yes. Just go through the wilderness in, in his um, outfit. Him fighting in the bathroom with those three like punks. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Just takes him out. Easy. Amazing. Well, my favorite part is that he's like what the fuck is this? Because yeah. <laughs> they like come up on him and then they take out the knife and he's just like, what is going on? And they like, do you think it's a joke? And he's like, yeah, I do. I do think it's a joke because they're so stupid about they it. They are stupid about and it. And he beats them all. Yeah. Oh my God. So anything O'Shea was doing, did you have anything to add about O'Shea? O'Shea uh, <laughs> one thing I will say about O'Shea just in general is he's really he really man he resembles his dad so much he does he really does, he does. for those who don't know his dad is ice cube uh so if if you know him from his music then you know him from his music or if you know him as an actor maybe from are we there yet is like probably the biggest movie that ice cube has been in barbershop mm-hmm. movies as well um but yeah he resembles his dad so much super yeah it's uncanny. Yeah. It's kind of like when uh, Colin Hanks came on the scene and he resembled his dad so oh, much. Yeah. yeah, that was another one of those where it's just like, huh, I'm just looking at a young Tom Hanks. And here I'm just looking at right. a young Ice Cube. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So that's just in general. Uh, I really enjoyed so – I didn't know how to feel about it at first, but then it like grew on me as the movie went on. It's uh, – Isaiah uh, Bradley Jr.'s character as the cop and his whole thing with the dog. He 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 was hoping to get. Oh, you mean Isaiah? Whitlock I'm sorry, Jr.? Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Um, okay. And he, his whole thing with the dog. You could tell that he wanted like just like a, a you know, tough, Macho, a tough like, puppy. Yeah. And he got just like this Pomeranian almost looking thing. <laughs> And then you you could tell he doesn't want it, but as the movie goes, like he's like worried about the dog. <laughs> he's worried about the dog, <laughs> and he keeps calling his coworker. Yeah. How's um? Oh my god, what's what the name was, of the was dog? Was it Stella? It was something. Oh shit. Um, mm. 
I can't remember the name. Oh my god, it's fine. Lissettes or something. Oh man, I don't remember. Anyway, but, I I like yeah, that. Yeah, I did. That you have this like hard cop, and he's got this frou frou dog, and he ends up kind of bonding with it at the, at the end of the yeah. day. And um, I like his stuff too. Like when he finally gets to the forest. And he gets to the gazebo and he's trying to get the bag of cocaine. And he's up on the roof and he's like, I jumped from that tree, but I don't know how to get down. <laughs> and that whole thing is so great. That was really good. I love too when he um, is giving the cocaine to the bear. Or he's like, that wine that's in the trailer is still so good. Let's see what kind of effect that has yeah, on it. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> that's one thing that I will say that when you see a line in a movie that gets a good reaction... You hope that it gets a good reaction in the movie as well. And it worked. Mm -hmm. It worked in this particular case. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel? Because I don't know how I felt about this, but how did you feel about the other cop uh, kind of being in on it? I didn't care that much okay. to say one way or the other if I liked it. I was just like, all right, that's kind of par for the course. Because I almost was like, they introduced such an interesting cop. Like you have a female cop in the in the 80s right. and she's mulata or, or black or whatever. And I was like, this is very interesting. And then she just has to take care of the dog and we're supposed to never see her again. So the fact that they brought her back, I was like, oh, that makes sense. OK, yeah. You know, that's a good point. That's a fair point. I, I, I in the moment, it kind of threw me off like, huh, so she was in on it, I guess. Uh, I just... And and they don't really care to explain how. It it's just, doesn't even no, it matter. Doesn't. Yeah. It really doesn't. Uh, so then Alden Ehrenreich. <laughs> yes. So I was surprised that I liked the, the sad mopey character that he's oh, giving yeah. off throughout the entire movie. Um, it was really enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Watching this man just like like the sad drug dealer, <laughs> this nepo baby who like wants to get out nepo baby in the drug, of the drug business. business. <laughs> in the drug business, he wants to get out. His wife died of cancer, and he's like, my dad probably gave it to her because of the stress. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, this is a plus plus comedy for for real. Like, it just hit me as being really hysterical and i liked that he just looks so terrible he does too like i think alden can play such a cool pretty boy he can in a in a lot of um roles and stuff especially like what what solo yep. hail caesar he's sort of hail oh caesar God, one of the best scenes. um that teen that ya movie beautiful creatures oh yeah that's right that was another one so to see him sort of like banged up and like receding hairline, 80s cut. With like gray in his hair. Sort of a bit of gray in his hair and he's got bags under his eyes and he just looks like he is a 80s drug dealer and sampled the, the cocaine or whatever for years. I'm like, this is fun. You know, this is different. And I like this version of him that he's doing here. I just really thought it was fun and uh, you know kind of uh what's it called like when they when an actor kind of goes ugly like what's that oh like they um they kind of like um yeah i i know what you, they they what's dress that? down not dress what down but 
I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I always kind of appreciate it because in this case, he's doing it like for the camp of it, not necessarily to win any yeah, Oscars. Just you know? a campy role, which I admire more because yeah. <laughs> he's just like committing, he's just committing to the know? premise, to <laughs> yeah, the wild yeah. premise that this is. Um, and then the the bear itself. Uh, Let's talk about her. So, I. I, I don't know if you know anything about bears, but this is like highly unusual behavior, period. I don't know if there's any truth at all to giving drugs to a bear will make it just go on a murderous rampage. But <laughs> the ingenuity of the bear and the way that it just sort of ran the table on these people. Uh, was incredible, and I don't know if you want to talk about the CGI. Did you have any issues? Uh, the CGI was not great on the bear, but no, it's no. But what are you gonna do? It's you're enough. Not gonna, it's good enough. You're not gonna re- really be able to do much with that. But again, it, it does fit in with the B movie nature of this. Yeah, because like yeah. you, you know what you could use as another example is when the bear climbs up the tree to kill Jesse Tyler Ferguson's character. And the way he's just like laying upside down and like the blood starts dripping down him is yes. just like so campy. It's it's yeah. really funny. And then all of a sudden, like the leg drops down to the ground and just some of some of the gore was pr- pretty was insane. Lot. Like when yeah. when the bear is visiting the welcome center. And they open oh, the, the door center. is like, is that a bear? And Marco Martindale just shoots the guy in the head accidentally because oh, yeah. she can't hold a gun straight. Uh, yeah. Th- well, she has been half. That's mauled, true. So. That's true. But that. <laughs> and he's why would he stand yeah, there? Yeah, that's true. Why would he? Stand anyway, there? if she he knew that she had the gun. She, she was, was like, aiming the door at, she, the, yeah, at, she was the aiming the at the door. And then like you stupid. could tell like piece <laughs> of like the brain or something was on the friend and it lasted there for a while. And I was just like, that is disgusting. It's disgusting. The whole welcome center carnage that happened was frightening and over the top hyperbole of a, of a thing. And what happened? I think when the, when the, ambulance arrives is when it totally like goes i thought it went to shit already but like when the ambulance comes it just like gets so much worse it really does i think i lost it when the guy the male ambulance or emt like the bear bites off half his hand uh, half his like wrist or something and it like flops over at one point and i'm just like like it was just Oh. Too much, yeah, yeah, and uh, the way that Margot Martindale's character bites the dust finally because she had lasted she quite did. a bit. She lasted quite a bit. She, you think like she's in the ambulance, <laughs> but she's tied down, and then on the gurney, she <laughs> she gets, gets dragged. Oh my god! A, a, like several yards, like like twenty yards, scraping her face <laughs> on the cement. <laughs> It's pretty bad. It's terrible. It's terrible. But it's pretty funny, too, because when they're trying to escape, they're like, what's wrong with the bear? And 
close the door, you shithead, and like all this stuff. It's good. It's funny, despite how ridiculous the situation is. Exactly. And speaking of ridiculous, I lost it. I started cackling when the female EMT has the stethoscope. Oh yes, Martindale's chest, and she's listening to her heartbeat. I don't even know what she's trying to do, like because she's not taking her. No, she's not. Is she? She's just listening to her heartbeat, and Margot Martindale can't manage to get the the word out. Uh, And finally, when the guy realizes what's in the closet, bear. She picks up the stethoscope and goes, bear in the stethoscope. <laughs> yeah. And I lost Oh, my goodness. It. <laughs> so um, that's the kind of camp that we're dealing with. And, oh, my God. What did you think of the kid, Christian Convery? He was he was a riot. Henry? Like, just him oh, yeah. and his inquisitive nature and just, like, yeah, he, yeah. you know, he's like, yeah, I've done cocaine. And like all of a sudden, like he like <laughs> looks at it and he's like, this is not like the ones that I've had before. <laughs> like just like trying to be cool. But you can tell trying to impress the girl. But you know, obviously he's never done anything like this. It's so funny. Um, so, yeah, he was a cute kid. <laughs> Brooklyn Prince. Uh, we know her from um, the Florida Project. Do you remember? Mm. Course of I course, I remember. Which, by the way, they they Maybe. colored the the motel. They changed the paint. They painted, they painted it. it. Why the hell would they? Do I don't that? know. Even A twenty four tweeted out, "This is a crime." They tweeted about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like someone needs to be prosecuted. Why would they do that now? It looks like yeah, it else. looks just like a boring ass motel. So unremarkable. Ugh. Anyway, uh, so let's jump to to the end. Um, okay. so in the end, obviously they, they're looking for as much cocaine as they can recoup because Ray Liotta is like deep in, in debt with, uh, the Cuban cartel the or uh, Cuban Colombian. And, and they're just trying to recover as much as they can. And the entire showdown happens at a waterfall. The little <laughs> baby cubs are high on Coke. Uh, <laughs> What a sentence. I was like, oh my God, it's endless. I'm glad that Carrie Russell gets like the hero moment when she like gets the gun. Oh yeah. And it's like, we are leaving. Uh, But then Mama Bear shows up. And Mama Bear ain't messing around. And for a moment, like Ray Liotta basically shoots the bear and you think she's dead. Like she's fallen off of you know the waterfall onto like a cliff almost <laughs> and then just a yeah. smidge of coke mm-hmm. and it reminded me of like tony montana and scarface where he gets shot and oh, he quit. doesn't like it's not affecting him he doesn't, he doesn't go, go down. down yes so like wakes back up and then they start mauling the hell out of ray Liotta. like his oh, intestines and everything i was just like oh yeah yeah, I saw my. I told my sister I was like, "This is Ray Liotta's last performance," <laughs> and I saw his intestines. <laughs> oh, what a way to go out! What a way! What a way! What a way! Yeah, I mean, there is a 
subtle running theme of like motherhood versus fatherhood and the bear and Carrie Russell's character kind of having similar goals or whatever minus I guess the cocaine but minus the cocaine you know I uh I liked it and I was also like man versus nature Mm -hmm. in the worst way because man created the issue with the cocaine but yeah overall uh an enjoyable fun movie in the middle of Mm -hmm. dumpuary like this is a great dump you are i think this was this was universal if i'm not mistaken universal made this movie uh but uh i saw a tweet saying that they've had a string of movies that people on on the outside would just call them like trash movies but they're making pretty good money at the box office so like this megan was in there uh yeah megan was one of them i'm yeah so like there's like a string of these movies that universal has made that has really like kind of saved their uh, mid-tier movie making Mm. and i i just appreciate that they could come up with an original concept like this and have it work the fact that it came in second place in in the box office and only because ant-man is still you know was still there for week number two but Ant-Man had a devastating drop. Uh, like Yeah, it was like 60 One of the worst drops. No? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a good movie. Uh, anyway, so with that, I, I think that's that I think pretty that's much it. covers yeah. Cocaine Bear. Uh, it's, uh, that was a fun ride. <laughs> wild ride. Yeah. A lot of highs. Not that many lows. Stop. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we didn't come falling down from from that high that we wrote on in the movie uh so coming up on the show uh we will be talking about i want to say we're going to be talking about 65 the new adam driver movie or are we talking scream maybe maybe adam driver movie plus maybe adam driver plus we'll recap the oscars because they will have happened by that time. Um, the front runner right now, man. It's uh, everything, everywhere, oh, all at so once, man. Exciting. I'm so excited. I've called this as a front runner for a while, it. and I'm so good. I'm so glad that I'm being vindicated by that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and this is not a movie that would have won Best Picture like even like five years ago, you know. But the Academy has changed. Last year, not yeah, even. Yeah, exactly. But the Academy has been changing. Uh, you know it's gotten younger it's skewed and so like the voting is like you can see like the (laughs) how voting is happening now it's crazy man (laughs) crazy stuff anyway so that is coming up down the road which is next week uh anyway in the meantime if this is your first time checking us out thank you so much check us out at Always Critic Pod on our socials. Uh, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave a five star review while you're there. And if you've done all that, check out patreon.com slash always critic pod where you could go ahead and support us for as little as $2 a month. That is way cheaper than a Starbucks coffee. Uh, sorry to name drop a company there. Any cup, any cup of coffee from any company pretty much is what you could do it for cheaper than. And that has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic 